From Wednesday all the way till Friday, we've been meeting. And then, as he said, today is the climax of our youth week. And we had the honor of being the uh, zonal hosts. So we met here on Wednesday and Thursday. And then a few of us were able to go to Worcester to fellowship with them in Worcester. So before I get into my message, I just have a few shout-outs, a few acknowledgments, a few thank yous to say. First of all, thank you for everybody that was able to attend and thank you, even if you weren't able to attend. As Eric said, we're here praying for you guys. I'd like to thank the regional leaders, Sister Evelyn, Lois, for putting things together. I'd like to thank my leader here that is above me in this youth position, Sister Abigail Adu, for all of her continuous work. I'd also like to extend a great gratitude to our district pastor, Reverend Hayford Jumpo, for his continuous support. And last but not least, our own presiding elder, Elder Nathaniel Narte, for his love, his care, his guidance that he's given not only to me, but to our youth ministry. Can we put our hands together for those people? Amen. So if you don't know, our theme for this week was repositioned. And our main scripture readings came from Colossians 2, 6 to 8, 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 to 20 and 2nd Peter 1 3 to 10 and I just want to get you guys up to speed with what we were talking about this week and some of the topics that were brought up so Wednesday our sister Abigail preached about repositioning our mindset our attitudes and our company and it was a very powerful message on Thursday we were able to listen to Elder Burko preach about repositioning for greater works and he gave us the challenge as young adults that Sometimes we feel insufficient. Sometimes we let our age get in the way of us doing things, but he really challenged us that that shouldn't be a hindrance or that shouldn't be a boundary for us to do things for the Lord. And on Friday, we were able to go to Worcester, PIWC Worcester, and we listened to our sister Doxa preach about the Holy Spirit as the believer's advocate. Amen? So like I said, the theme is very broad, which kind of left me a little bit for aloof about what I should preach about. And as Abigail said, we were talking on the phone on Wednesday and we both had the same idea that we wish that it was a little bit more specific so that can tailor the avenue that we'd go down. And all yesterday, can you believe, even till yesterday, I didn't have a title for my message, but I prayed and the Holy Spirit definitely answered my prayers and he gave me this message. Repositioned in Christ a new position. Hallelujah. So the title of my message is Repositioned in Christ a New Position. Amen. So who can agree here that your position in life is very important? Can I see by your hands? If you agree that your position in life is very important, amen. Okay, so that's most of us here. And I want to remind you that don't let anybody tell you that your position in life is not important. Uh, whether that is at the job site, obviously we see there's a hierarchy at the job. So if you're at the top of the job, you can deem your position more important. I like to think, I like to get food a lot. So my position in the line matters very much to me. Uh, if I'm waiting for my order at the restaurant, I'd rather be within the first three people 
than within the last three people. Amen? And I went through a little bit of a repositioning last night. I don't know if I was nervous, if I was excited to preach this morning, but I couldn't fall asleep for anything last night. And as I was going through, I was repositioning myself. I started off sleeping on my back. That didn't work. That's my normal position that I sleep in. I slept on my back. That didn't work. I moved on to my side. That didn't work. Then I'm sleeping. My arm is getting tired and things, so I had to go and reposition myself. But by the grace of God, I was finally able to fall asleep, even if it was for three hours. God answered me and let me be able to get some sleep so that I can deliver this message. Amen. So those are just ways in life that we are positioned and we can reposition ourselves on a smaller scale. So I want to engage with the congregation for a little bit and ask, when you hear the word reposition, what do you think of? And anyone can speak. I won't bite. I'm not going to put anybody on the spot. When you hear the word reposition, or what is the definition of reposition to you? Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Clap for our brother everyone, real quick. Thank you. A perfect definition that he's given us. So I went to trustygoogle.com, our best friend in today's age, to search up the definition of reposition. And I found that reposition is to place in a different position, adjust or alter the position of. Amen. So in the Bible, we can look at the life of many of the 12 disciples to see how their encounters with Jesus repositioned their lives. One famous disciple that we, met, that we all know is Peter. Who knows what Peter did before he met Jesus? Yep. That was Matthew. Peter was a fisherman. Amen. But after Peter encountered Jesus, these words came from Jesus' mouth. He said, I will make you a fisher of men. Amen. Let's look at the life of my favorite apostle, my favorite disciple, Paul. Before Paul became Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus, a tyrannical leader that his life goal was to persecute and kill Christians. Amen. But it was on the road to Damascus that he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to be repositioned from Saul to Paul, one of the greatest evangelizers and one of the authors that wrote many books in the New Testament. Amen. Another person in the Bible that was repositioned that we may not have heard of as on a scale of the disciples is the tax collector Zacchaeus. Hallelujah. Zacchaeus is described to be a short man, short, probably short in stature like myself. And he was very, very rich, begetting that he was the chief tax collector. Considering his occupation as a tax collector, many people considered him a sinner because he often cheated people out of their money. So Jesus Christ comes to the city of Jericho. And as you know, Jesus Christ, he was the man in his time. He's the man today, of course. But back then, when he was here on earth, he was a man. So large crowds came to see Jesus. And considering that Zacchaeus was a short man, he was obviously not in position to see Jesus. So what did Zacchaeus do to reposition himself? The Bible says that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus so bad that he climbed a sycamore tree. And when Jesus saw him, he told Zacchaeus, hurry down, Zacchaeus, because I must stay in your house today. Sometimes repositioning isn't comfortable 
as we see from Zacchaeus, climbing a tree by hand. How many people in here think they can climb a tree? Oh, we got one, two. Okay, all right. That's, that's more than I thought. So, But we see what Zacchaeus had to do to reposition himself. And sometimes repositioning yourself takes uncomfortable measures. But if you have a will to go somewhere, if you have a will to see something, won't you do it? And by Jesus Christ coming and living in Zacchaeus' house, it shows the repentance that Zacchaeus had. And after he lived with Jesus, he was willing to change, and he offered half of his belongings to the poor, and he paid back four times as much to anyone he had cheated. Amen. So we see the repositioning. There's a few examples of repositioning from individuals in the Bible. So I did some research I was doing some research yesterday, and I looked up some statistics about Christian youth today. So One Hope is a Christian organization. They do polls. They do studies. And they found that 51, so this is more than half of 50% of U.S. teens claim to be Christian, yet only eight, eight out of that 51 display the beliefs and habits of a committed Christian. Isn't that, isn't that startling? Does that not shock you? That 51% of U.S. teens claim to be Christian, yet only 8% display the beliefs and habits of committed Christians. And one hope defined a committed Christian as one who believes God exists and they have a personal relationship with him, believes Jesus is the Son of God, believes forgiveness of sins is only possible through faith in Jesus Christ, believes the Bible is the word of God, prays at least weekly, and reads the scripture on their own at least weekly. And they're not even asking for daily. They're saying praise at least weekly. And only 8% of those 51 that they were able to pull from their study qualify for that. I also found that 46% of Christian teens never read the Bible. This one really shocked me. It's almost at 50% of Christian teens have never read the Bible. 58% of Christian teens believe they don't have a responsibility to share their faith. And when I was looking at this, I was shocked, I was discouraged and things like that. But it is my prayer this morning that this church, PIWC Hartford, our teens, our youth will not be representative of these statistics. Our youth will be youth that will be charged to be committed Christians. Our youth will be youth that will be charged to read the Bible, and our youth will be youth that will be charged to see that there is a responsibility for us to share our faith. And I believe these statistics all have to do with our position in Christ and how there is a need for Christian youth all over America to reposition themselves in the things of God. Amen. So let us look at what the world tells us to be positioned in. And for this, if we can project Colossians 2, 6 through 10, and we're going to jump straight to verse 8. So the Bible says in verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than Christ. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world 
rather than Christ. And since I am still a young person, the adults might be a little bit out of touch with what's going on in society, in our culture today, that in today's society, we have a lot. There's a plethora of hollow and deceptive philosophy. Uh, to name some, we have things such as astrology, we have palm readings, we have horoscopes, there's sage burnings, and a, lot, a very popular thing is crystals, if you guys know what I'm talking about. And many people have positioned themselves in these traditions in order to receive some sort of healing. People believe that if you charge your crystal rocks in the sun long enough, they can actually bring you healing qualities to you. And guidance, people look to their horoscope, to their astrology, their sign, what sign they are for guidance and answers to life's promises rather than positioning their faith and trust in God and his word. And inevitably, this makes that approach a false religion. I don't want to speak here out of ignorance, and I don't want to speak here as if greater am I. When I wasn't positioned in Christ, when I didn't go through my great repositioning, I'm not going to lie, I did have a, a little necklace I got from Mexico that had a charm on it. I won't lie. When people used to ask me, what is my sign? I was quick to tell them, I'm a Gemini. Yes, I'll admit to it. I'll admit to it. So I don't want to stand up here and act as if I haven't done these things at all. But on December, 20, December 17th of last year, I had a great repositioning. And I was able to be baptized in water. Oh, clap for me, you guys. I thought you guys were clapping for me. Amen. And this was a very transformative point of my life in which I fully submerged myself and was born again truly. Amen. And I'm just here to tell the youth, I'm just here to preach to the church that these things will bring us no sort of healing. They'll bring us no sort of guidance. And they will not answer your life's problems. But us as Christians, we have somebody that is greater than these things. That is here for us to give us all the healing, all the guidance, and all the answers to life's problems. Amen. If you believe this, please say amen. Amen. So staying in Colossians, we're going to jump to verse 9 and 10. And this is where Paul tells us something very pivotal in this verse. Verse 9 reads, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given the fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Amen. So, in today's age, we've gone from worshiping the creator to worshiping the creation. And we've fallen far away from the things that God wants for us. We are positioned to know Christ. We don't need to seek God by any means of other religions, cults, or unbiblical philosophies as the Colossians were doing. Christ alone holds the answers to the true meaning of life because he is the life. Amen. Christ is our unique source of knowledge and power for the Christian life. No Christian, I didn't say some Christians, I didn't say one Christian, I said no Christian needs anything in addition to what Christ has provided to be saved. We are complete in him, amen. Amen, so this definitely took me some time to understand and as young adults, we're often looking for the answers to life and that leads us to do some things that the older people may not understand. And I just pray that God 
just covers each and every youth and pencil member in this church under his canopy, that we are able to realize that there is nothing in addition that we need to Christ for our answers to life. There's nothing in addition that we need to Christ for our healings. There's nothing that we need in addition to Christ for our guidance. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So now we can look at what Jesus says about our position. And although Jesus may not have used the word reposition verbatim, although Jesus may not have used the word position as is, he talked a lot about your position. I believe uh, repentance, we know Jesus preached about repentance a lot. Repentance has to do with your positioning and your repositioning in Christ. Amen? So we can go to Matthew 5, 14 through 16. And this is a very popular parable. Verse 14 reads, you are the light of the world. A city on top of the hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. So he's speaking about the position in which people put a, a lamp. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men and see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Amen. How useful would a light be if you light it and you're in a dark room and you put it under a bowl? It'll be very ineffective, right? More so, how useful would that light be if you light it and then put it under a bed? It won't do its job. As Christians, we have a light that radiates through us by Christ, and it is our obligation for us to shine that light to everybody in our world. As Christians, we can be looked as that light in somebody's life. We are the light of this world. Amen? Amen. So Christ here is talking about the positioning that we should have as Christians. Amen. So can I ask this question? Can you hide a city that's on top of a hill? No, you cannot. A city that has that vantage point, that high vantage point, can be seen by everybody. Amen? Its light at night can be seen for miles. If we live for Christ, we will glow like lights, showing others what Christ is like. Amen? So as the youth, as we're growing up, there are many things that may come in our life that cause us to hide our light. One of these things that we do, or how we hide our light, is by being quiet when we should speak. And like I said, I'm speaking out of experience. I definitely was one of these people before in my life. Um, I can see somebody doing wrong, and I would just say, hey, that's their life. I wouldn't be there to really give them any guidance or advice. Even though I knew the right thing, I was still quiet when I should speak. But I've been repositioned in a way now that I can see my friends, I can see any individuals in my life going astray. And now, since my repositioning, it is now my obligation to help that friend, to remind that friend when they have gone off course. Amen. We hide our light by going along with the crowd. And I know that it's a challenge, and that's something that may go on with a lot of the younger folks in the church, that it is easier to go along with the crowd. There's something in psychology called the bystander effect. And that is if you see somebody in help and there's a large group there, you'll just automatically assume that that person has already gotten help. So in a sense, you're going along with the crowd. Many times in our Christian life, we are bystanders. As I said, 
as we know the truth, we know what we should do. We know that if the crowd is going left and they're falling to their demise, sometimes we're the leader of that crowd going left. Amen. We know that if we should go right and everybody's going left, we're still going to go ahead and follow them. But it's my prayer this morning that we will stand aside from the crowd, that no more will we go along with the crowd when we see the crowd is going down a path of destruction. We know that we, will, we are made to be different than those going along with the crowd. Amen. We also hide our light by denying the light. Many of us don't know our power. Many of, many of us don't know the abilities that we have through Jesus Christ. And that surely is a sad thing. We have this person, this God that has created everything and has empowered us and shines his light through us. So why should we deny it? And I know these things take confidence for us. And there are some things that we should do to be confident. As we've seen from the studies, many of us don't pray. Many of us don't read the Bible, but I can tell you today that these are things that beget confidence in our lives. Amen. So I used to be that person too. I'm not going to lie. I'm being very transparent this morning. This year alone, I've probably read more of the Bible than I have all the years of my life. And I'm 26 years old. Amen. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not very proud to admit that. Amen. And as you guys know, I've, I've been born in the church. I've had a Bible all my life. There just wasn't that, that knacking for me to go and open it and read it as much as I should. Amen. But now that I've been repositioned with Christ, hallelujah, now that I know the light that is in me, hallelujah, I'm dwelling more with Christ, I'm reading the Bible more, and I'm acknowledging the light that I have radiating in me through Christ. Amen. We also hide our light by not explaining our light to others. So this can be in tied with evangelizing. Somebody may not understand your attitude or why you have such a positive attitude. They may just think that you're just a happy person. And we know as Christians, we have struggles, we have things that come in our life as well. So I'm not saying just because we're Christians that there won't be hardship. But we know that we have somebody that is there to recorrect every hardship in our life. We know that when the going gets tough, we have somebody that is there that is a great comforter, that is there to comfort us in the name of Jesus Christ. So next time, somebody may be wondering, what makes you so happy? How can you have this positive attitude through everything? That is an opportunity for us to show them the light that we have through Jesus Christ. Amen. And lastly, ignoring, we hide our light by ignoring the needs of others. Christ told us to do what? We should love our neighbor as ourself. Amen. So let us not be as selfish as we may have or want to be. Yes, don't get me wrong. We have to think about ourselves. Yes. And I would advise everybody, yes, in certain situations, you should put yourself first. But me, in every situation, I used to put myself first. Uh, I wouldn't help somebody if there wasn't any gain for me. Like, we have that saying, what's in it for me? And that was definitely a person I was before my repositioning in Christ. But now, 
I have this zeal, I have this urge to help those who need help. I have this urge to truly love my neighbors as myself. And it is only because the repositioning that I was able to get through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We can look at another parable to see what Jesus has to say about our position. And for that, we're going to go to Matthew 7, 24 to 7. Matthew 7, 24 to 7, starting at verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who has built his house on the rock. So he's talking about our positioning of, and the foundation in which we build our house. And these are all parables, so he's, he's speaking in metaphors in, so, in a way. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had the foundation on the rock. Amen. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So there we go. We see positioning again. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So what is Jesus talking about here when he compares the foundations of the rock and the sand? Ideally, many of us have built our house on the sand. And we see from this scripture that the house built on the foundation of the stand is a house that will not last. Amen. So this morning, God is calling anybody that has repositioned themselves, that has positioned themselves on the house of the sand to move over and reposition themselves on the house that is built on the rock. Amen. And that rock is Jesus Christ. In this parable, our house can be similar to our lives. So he shows us that when we build our lives on the word of God, when we build our lives in trusting in Jesus Christ, when we build our lives in dwelling all the things that God has set for us, that is a house that will withstand any storm, that is a house that will withstand any hurricane, that is a house that will withstand anything that life brings. Amen. The foundation determines the ability for our structures to withstand the elements or the cold, hard winds of life, which no one is immune. It would be wrong for me to say that once you become a Christian, once you're born again, there won't be troubles in your life. It seems as if there's more trouble sometimes in your life. Amen. Amen. Yes. And I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is this. Many people today have made that their God. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Amen. Indeed, there is. Amen. There is. Yes. But in today's day and age, many people have gone from worshiping the creator to worshiping the creation. Many people have gone and strayed away from the things that is in the Bible 
to worshiping things that is in the world. So if we believe this book is our instructions for life, as far as I've read the Bible, I haven't seen zodiac signs, I haven't seen astrology, I haven't seen Gemini, Cancer, Pisces, Virgo. See, I know all of them, so I'm not talking like I don't know. I haven't seen it in the Bible. And what I'm talking about is the dangers that happens with our youth because as we know, as young people, we're easily persuaded. There are a lot of things that we are digesting on the internet. There are a lot of things that we're reading in today's age that can persuade us away from focusing on what is our true focus, which is Jesus Christ. Amen? So, I mean, I hear everything you're saying, but it is a danger still to be following and prescribing to those things because oftentimes that is what people base their whole beliefs on. You ask somebody what their personality is, they're going to tell you everything that lists under Gemini. You know what I mean? But when somebody asks you, what's your sign? We should respond with, I'm a child of God. Amen? Amen. So thank you for that. Amen. Those hopes of which are built on Christ, the solid rock, will stand even when the storms fiercely blow. Amen. His comforts will never fail. His faithfulness is great and new every morning. When the Lord is our portion and sufficiency, we will always be satisfied. Amen. So those building their house on the sand, truly they'll never be satisfied. I imagine there are going to be people that have to have a lot of resources because when the storm blows over and over, they're going to have to be building that house again. But Jesus Christ is telling us, when we build our house on the rock, hallelujah, the rain will come down, the streams will rise, and the winds will blow and beat against our house, yet it did not fall. So it is just my prayer this morning as young people that we understand the position that we have, the foundation that we build on is very, very, very important because it is that foundation that will upstand our house. Hallelujah. Amen. So now we can look at what the world tells us to be repositioned, what the word tells us to be repositioned in. And we can go to 2 Peter 1, 3 to 10. And I found it interesting that this chapter was titled, Guidance for Growing Christians. Hallelujah. Verse 3 reads, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him, who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us a very great and precious promise, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Amen. Amen. That is true. That is very true. Amen. Put our hands together for our brother. That is a good point that he made. And, and the music that we prescribe to today and age, we know that there is some crazy music out here in the world. Amen. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. I used to listen to 
those music. Sometimes I still find myself listening to those music. And you can see that these artists aren't drawing anything from God. You can see that it's either from the self, or I even go far to say that they're getting it from the devil himself. Amen. So we should definitely be privy to what we listen to and what we're digesting, because we know the things of this world contradict the things of God. Amen. Amen. So looking back at verse 3 through 4, the power to grow doesn't, doesn't come from within us, but from God, because we don't have the resources to truly be godly on our own. God allows us to participate in the divine nature in order to keep us from sin and help us live for him. Amen. God, by his spirit, empowers us with his own moral goodness. So we see... Uh, a question that I see a lot of people ask atheists is, um, what is objective morality? If they don't believe in God, then where are they getting their morals from? Because if their morals are subjective, which means their morals apply to them, then if they believe murder is right, murder is right. If they believe lying is right, lying is right. If they believe stealing is right, stealing is right. But we must be repositioned from thinking about our own morals and be put in a position that we have God's moral goodness. So we know that more, uh, murder is wrong. Hallelujah. We know that lying is a sin. Hallelujah. We know that stealing is wrong. We need to realign and reposition ourselves with the moral goodness that comes from God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That is the truth. Amen. Amen. And I agree with that, that God has definitely positioned things to be between a man and a woman. But we can see how far our society has strayed away from the things of God how much that we have put our own morality before the morality of God. And these are things that can breed to things such as the LGBT community and things like that. But like I said before, let our light shine, that we may be beacons of light to those in their life. That I'm not saying we have to hate anybody. We shouldn't hate anybody. Praise the Lord. I hope nobody hates anybody here in the house today. Amen. And, and that is a position that I think no Christian has for those that are living outside the parameters of God. But we are there to remind them that the lifestyle they're living isn't in accordance with God. And like I said, that doesn't mean that we're here to hate them. That doesn't mean that we want to persecute them. That doesn't mean that we want to kill them. But we should be here rooted in the truth. If we're rooted in the truth of the Bible, we can't go against what the Bible says. So that is just what I say to that, that as Christians, we still should be able to, to advise those in that community on what God has ordained for us. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 
Hallelujah. Amen. That is true. So we are looking at, back to this, we're going to verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Faith must be more than a belief in certain facts. It must result in actions, growth in Christian character, and the practice of moral discipline, or it will die away. There's a saying that I know, use it or lose it. So like if you don't use a muscle, if you don't use your arm for let's say a year, the muscle in your arm will deteriorate and then we're left to render your arm useless. So here, Peter lists several of faith's actions, learning to know God better, developing perseverance, doing God's will, and loving others. These actions don't come automatically. They require hard work and they are not optional. All of them must be a continual part of the Christian life. We don't just finish one and start on to the next, but we work on them together. God empowers us and enables us, but he also gives us the responsibility to learn and grow. Hallelujah. And finishing off 2 Peter 1, 3 to 10, we go to verse 9 and 10. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Hallelujah. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. Amen. So as I was coming up with my message, um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of soccer. Do we have any fans that watch soccer? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I played a great deal of soccer in high school. I was on the soccer team, and we know I was, an attack, I was in an attacking position. And we know the strikers, the fours, the midfields, the wingers, they get all the glory because they're the ones that score the goals. Amen. But there's a very important rule that we must remember when we're on the attack, and that is the rule of offsides. So offsides is basically the rule that states that the attacking player, when receiving the ball, cannot be passed the last defender when he receives the ball. And this made me think that many of us, many of the youth, many of the pensa have been committing spiritual offsides. Hallelujah. Imagine we're watching a soccer game and the forward or striker is eager to score a goal. They make a swift run towards the opponent's goal, but just as their teammate passes in the ball, they find themselves in an offside position. The referee blows the whistle and the goal is disallowed and it's a missed opportunity. In the same way as Christians, we can find ourselves offside in our walk with God. We may have good intentions, wanting to live according to his word and fulfill his promises, but sometimes we get caught up in worldly distractions or sinful habits, thus making us offside from God's plan. So if I can give a visualization, let's say we have an imaginary line right here, or this is the last defender. So if you wanna receive the ball, or the podium is the last defender, if we wanna receive the ball, we have to be either equal with the podium or behind the podium. And many times in our life, I'm not going to lie, we find ourselves 
way, way, way over here in an offside position. And it is in this position where we encounter things such as guilt. It is in this position where we encounter things such as shame. It is in this position where we encounter things such as a lack of faith. It is in this position where we can encounter things such as anxiety and depression because we have gone offside from the path that God wants us to be on. This morning, God is calling us to reposition ourselves and take a step back. Let's take some steps back that we may come in alignment with what God has and we may be adjourned in an onside position. And in this position, we have confidence. In this position, we have boldness. In this position, we have grace. In this position, we have faith. In this position, we have all the things that God has promised us because we have become realigned with God's path. Amen. Oh, put your hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. And I'm sure to believe that God all wants us to score goals for him. We can think of God as the great midfielder of our time, whether that's who, who do we think of, Modric, Zidane for the old people and things like that, Ronaldinho and those players, great maestros, great people that know how to pass the ball at the right time. God is that midfielder waiting to pass us the ball, but it is up to us, like that soccer player, that sometimes has to realign himself with his team and get from offside to onside. Hallelujah. Amen. Remember, repositioning ourselves as Christians is not a one-time event, but a continuous process. We must stay vigilant, regularly examining our hearts and actions to assure that we are in alignment with, with, with God's will. Through prayer, studying his word, seeking guidance from fellow believers, we can continually reposition ourselves to walk closely with God to fulfill the purposes he has for our lives. Hallelujah. And I'm going to be wrapping up very shortly. I just wanted to give a few ways that we can be repositioned in Christ. We can be repositioned in Christ through increased prayer time. Amen. We can think of it like a conversation or you're in a relationship with a person. How do you expect to grow to know that person if you guys only talk once a week? It is something, if you care about this person, I'm not saying you have to check in with this person every day, but it should be more than once a week. Praise the Lord. But this person that we worship is not just an earthly being. He is our God, and he has ordained us to spend time with him in prayer. Hallelujah. I like to think Jesus never has his phone on Do Not Disturb. I know most of the day my phone's on Do Not Disturb, so if you call me, I won't get that first call. You have to call me twice before I get your call. And often I have my phone on silence, so I won't even get the alert that you've texted me. But I'm telling you today that Jesus Christ has no silent button on his phone. He has no do not disturb button on his phone. You can call his line 24-7. He will pick up and answer you. Praise the Lord. We can be repositioned in Christ through increased Bible reading time. Going through school, uh, there's a lot of books and things we have to read autobiographies that we have to read to learn about an individual. In the same way, the Bible is our book to read to learn about Jesus. So we need to increase our time that we spend reading and learning not only who God is, but what God says about our lives. Amen. And this is the hard part about repositioning that I had to learn firsthand. We have to identify anything 
or anyone that attempts to take your happiness away or attempts to take away God's place in your life. And this is the part that I say is the most uncomfortable part about repositioning ourselves. That inevitably, we're going to have to cut off some friends. And I know these may be people that we grew up with. I know these may be people that we've done everything with. But if they are not aligning their lives with what you want to do, why would you want to hold on to them? Because inevitably, some people are here in our lives just to drag us down. Praise the Lord. And as Sister Abigail taught us, it's easier to drag somebody down than it is to pull them up. Amen. But I'm praying this morning that since we have Christ that is radiating through us, since we've been repositioned through Christ, and we have Christ, His glory and His mercies radiating through us, we can try to pull them up. But if we can't, then it's time to let them go. And then my last point is to remember to be thankful for the gift of repositioning. The flip side is, had you not acknowledged the fact that it was time to move on, you'd still be stuck in misery. That in itself should make you a little bit happier each and every day. And I'm definitely thankful for the gift of repositioning because definitely I was living in a place before, a place of misery, truly. So I thank God every single day that he's repositioned me and he's positioned me from the sand foundation to the foundation that is built on the rock. And before I close, my last scripture reading comes from Deuteronomy 28, 13. And this says, this deals with our position and what the Lord has to say about our position. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commandments of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top and never at the bottom. If you believe this, please rise to your feet this morning. Give a clap offering onto Jesus this morning. As we enter into a time of prayer, we're just going to pray, one, and thank God for his mercies and his blessings. We're going to pray and thank God for the repositioning power that he's given us. Thank God for the ability and the opportunity for us to change our positions each and every day. Amen. Let us start praying and thanking God for his ability, the repositioning power that he's given us. That Lord God, we have somebody that is there for us, that wants us to be repositioned, not into the things of this world, but be repositioned into the things of Christ. Thank you for your grace. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the assurance of your word this morning in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We bless your name. We bless you. We bless you. We thank you for the power and grace. Oh Lord, even us almighty. Great is that faithfulness indeed, Lord, to be able to reposition us in Jesus' name. Let your living waters flow over my soul. Let your Holy Spirit come and take control of every situation. 